We're going to read uh, this morning uh, together Psalm 23, and uh, we're going to do this from the King James. And I want to ask you, why don't you stand with me and let's just let's do this together, okay? Um, everybody ready? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All right. You may be seated. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us uh, today, that we would hear from you. We believe that there are things that you want to say. We open our hearts to you. We ask you to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There are certain passages of Scripture that just go better in the King James, right? Uh, certain ones. Uh, the, the Lord's Prayer, obviously, one of my other favorites that, that is better in the King James is uh, the, the raising of Lazarus. I don't know if y'all, if you remember in the King James in that story, there's a point in the story where, you know, Jesus says, you know, to open the tomb, and, and it's been four days. And what uh, Mary says to Jesus is, Lord, by now his body stinketh. You just can't say it better, you know? And uh, so there are certain things we just need to go back uh, to the King James for. And what we're going to look at today is uh, the Lord's Prayer. Um, Psalm 23, or the Lord's Prayer. We're going to look at Psalm 23. Uh, Psalm 23 is written by a shepherd. It's written by a shepherd about a shepherd. Uh, There are things about it that are best understood in the context of uh, from a shepherd's point of view. And so we're going to focus really mostly on the section that starts with, though I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death, uh, and see if there's some things uh, to help us as we just move through life and as we walk through difficult things. Last, last week, we talked about living uh, in, in deep water with the Lord and having intimacy with Him. And I, I think next week, we're going to talk about uh, living in the high places because God really calls us uh, to be mountain dwellers. Uh, he really does, and so we want to go to the high places, but, but sometimes in life, we have to walk through valleys, and so we're going we're gonna to look at that today, even though I walk through the darkest valley. Uh, the psalmist says, number one, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Uh, God does not want us to be fearful. He doesn't. He doesn't want us to be fearful. In fact, over a hundred times in Scripture, we find the words, fear not. Uh, And yet most of us, if we're honest, would have to admit that there are times we we enter into or fall into a place of fear. Uh, I remember years ago, uh, my wife and I were on an an airplane uh, coming back from Costa Rica, coming back from Costa Rica, and we hit the worst turbulence I've ever experienced on an airplane. It was really bad. And at the time, it was 1993, 
our children were young. Mason was about six. Grace Ann was maybe four. And so this fear came over Melissa as this plane just shook. What, what happens to my children if something happens to this plane? And the fear didn't end when the turbulence ended. The fear didn't end when the plane landed. The fear carried on for a, for a pretty good season of time, uh, maybe three years, uh, where Melissa was afraid every time she got on an airplane. She was afraid, and, and fear just gripped her. And there came a point where she had a dream. And in this dream, uh, the Lord spoke to her, and I think I'm getting this right. The Lord spoke to her and said, stop arguing with the pilot and get on the plane. Stop arguing with the pilot and get on the plane. And, and she would say that there was a part of her that thought her fear could keep the plane in the air. And, and it can't. It just can't. Uh, there are times when fear stops us. There are fear, times when it slows us down, and then there are times when it just stops us. And there are a lot of things uh, that we allow to get to us. There are a lot of things that, that people are afraid of. I don't know if you all know, do you all know what electro, electorophobia is? Electorophobia is the fear of chickens. <laughs> Some of you have been stopped by that. Uh, now, coulrophobia, I think that's how you pronounce it, C O U L. R-O-phobia, coulrophobia. Anybody know what that is? Some of you have it. I promise you. It's the fear of clowns. <laughs> any, any professional clowns here? Just looking. I want to make sure that, okay. Unfortunately, un there'll be somebody watching on the live, live stream who is a professional clown. But I just want to ask, whose idea was that? I mean, come on. Uh, ecclesiophobia. Anybody know what that is? Fear of church. That's a real thing. Some of you are experiencing homileophobia. You know what that is? Homileophobia? It's the fear of sermons. <laughs> and some of you have that right now. Selenophobia. You know what selenophobia is? The fear of the moon. The fear of the moon. Not, not the fear of Selena Gomez, Matt. The fear of the moon. The moon is 238,900 miles away. And there are people that are afraid of the moon. We fear failure, and it keeps us from risking. We fear rejection and it keeps us from reaching out. And one of the things that we experience that is a real experience today in our culture and in our world is the fear of evil. The fear of evil. Whether it's politically or culturally, there are things happening that cause us to fear where this thing is going. Because we may see it going somewhere that we've never seen it go before. And we may have even said, there's never been a time like this. But guess what? If we, if we searched history, we'd probably find that there's nothing new under the sun. 
but we give in to fear. But the psalmist says clearly, no matter how bad things get, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. I'll be aware of it, maybe concerned about it, be so concerned about it that I intercede and pray, but I won't be afraid. I won't be afraid. Why am I not afraid? Why is it that the Scripture tells us not to be afraid? Because of His presence. Because of His presence. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are with me, and therefore, there is no reason to fear. If we're aware of his presence and we learn to trust in his ways, no matter what comes, we can walk without fear. The sheep trust that the shepherd will take them to a good place. They trust the shepherd, and they trust that the shepherd will take them to a good place. And one of the reasons that they, they do that is because he always has. He always has. You see, the shepherd doesn't just wander around and hope that he finds a good place. But a good shepherd scouts out the land and finds the good places, goes back and gets the sheep, and then takes them to the good place. And the reason that we trust God is because he goes before us, and he has never failed us. He has never failed us. The sheep trust that the shepherd will take them to a good place, because he always has. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, uh, it's actually found three different places, uh, and it's just a phrase, and it says, he makes my feet like hind's feet and sets me on the high places. Now, I've, I've preached from that passage before, and I, I remember clearly the first time I heard that passage read, I was sitting on about the third or fourth row uh, in a church in North Alabama on this inside aisle, I didn't know, y'all. I was a brand-new Christian. I'd been a believer for maybe a year or a little less than a year, and I'd never, I, I didn't know that there was stuff in that book twice. I certainly didn't know there was stuff in there three times. And when my pastor stood in the pulpit and he read, he makes my feet like hind's feet and sets me on the high places three times, three different places, it blew my mind. And I had to know, what, what is this thing? What is a hind anyway? He makes my feet like hind's feet. I thought he was talking about my hind legs. And I, I didn't know. It was so confusing. But I had to know what it was. And as it turns out, a hind is a, a female deer who's an expert mountain climber. And the reason that a female deer, these mountain climbing deer, are so expert is because of two things. One, they have the ability everywhere their front feet go, their back feet goes in the exact same spot. They never misstep. They step right, right where their foot, front foot went, their back foot goes. They track. That's what it's called. It's called tracking. And that's what we're called to be. We're called to track with God. Everywhere he steps before us, we're to step where he steps. We're not to wander off on our own to the left or to the right. We're to step where he steps. That's why Jesus says, I only go 
where the Father says to go. I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. Because Jesus lived his life in this dynamic, this incredible rhythm, this divine rhythm with God. Everywhere the Father stepped, the Son stepped. And that's the call he has on us, not to be wanderers, to be followers. He wants our lives to track. The second reason that this female mountain climbing deer is able to climb the mountains so well is because it uses gravity to lean into the rock, to lean into the mountain. It doesn't lean away from the mountain. It leans into the mountain. Doesn't it make sense that you would find stability by leaning into the rock? Step where he steps and lean into him. Jesus has gone before us. Everywhere that you walk, every place that you have to go, he has been. He has gone before us and he has found the way and he has come back and gotten us, and now he will take us with him. Jesus has gone before. He's been tempted. He's been persecuted. He's been rejected. He's been crucified, and there is nothing in your life that will take him off guard. Nothing. Second thing we see is your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is important. It's important because we need to recognize that we are comforted by his resources, not ours. We are comforted by his resources, not our own. His rod, his rod, and his staff. Sometimes we try to comfort ourselves in difficult times by focusing on our strengths, by focusing on our abilities, maybe even by focusing on our experience. You may be tempted to say, well, I can do this. I've done it before. But we don't need to focus on our own abilities, and our own resources. We need to focus on his, depend on his ability. The rod by the shepherd is used uh, to defeat enemies. The rod is used to defeat enemies, and for us, it represents the Word of God because the Word of God is our weapon against the enemy. When Jesus was carried into the wilderness and tempted for 40 days by the enemy, he used the word of God as his weapon against temptation, against the accusations and the temptations of the enemy. He used the word of God, and we have to have his word in us. We talked about this last week that David said, I've hidden your word in my heart so I won't sin against you. We need to learn it we need to know it, we need to memorize it, we need to believe it, we need to live it. His word is our weapon. His word is our rod. Second, it says his staff. The staff was used to guide and to direct and, and sometimes to rescue. And for us, the staff is the spirit. The Holy Spirit is our guide. He is our comforter. And sometimes he is our rescuer. He is a resource within us that guides and directs. We need the rod and the staff. We need the word and the spirit. You will never, in, at Riverstone Church, you will never hear us say that we're, we're trying to decide whether to be a word church or a spirit church. We will be a word and spirit 
church. We need the Word of God. We need the Spirit of God. The third thing, he says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Every time I read that verse, I think about Graham Cook. I think about Graham Cook. He came and spoke at our church several years ago. I was listening to a a teaching tape of his one time, and, and he was talking about this particular passage, and, uh, and he, he had a dream about this passage. And he was, his dream was about, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Uh, you, you set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And, and as he tells the story, in his dream, he's standing in this valley, and he's surrounded by the enemy, just on every side. And, and he can feel a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of fear welling up, and, he, and he, he looks up, and there's a banquet table before him that is just laid out with every kind of food you can imagine, just a huge celebration banquet. And in his dream, Jesus walks up to him with a... Uh, what do you call that? Towel, <laughs> a towel over his arm, like a waiter. And he looks at Graham Cook and he says, will you have the soup or the melon? You know, and, and in his mind, he's thinking, you know, this is a dangerous place. This is a dangerous place. I'm surrounded by the enemy on every side. But all Jesus cared about was, would you have the soup or the melon? Because God provides for us and and gives to us and even lays a banquet table before us in the presence of our enemies. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Everything of God is available to you in the valley. Everything of God. Everything God has is available to you in the valley because he is there with you. He is with you. He wants to spread a banquet feast for you in the presence of your greatest difficulty. He does. Don't think, hey, when I get through this, I will enjoy him. He wants you to enjoy him in the midst of it, in the midst of difficulty, in your darkest hour, in the worst circumstance to enjoy his presence because he didn't send you through it. He's walking with you through it. And, and you know, there's an important word in there, through. He doesn't send you there and say, stay there. He leads you through it. Yea, though I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Fourth thing he says is, you anoint my head with oil. Uh, sheep have great difficulty with pests and, and parasites. You've probably seen sheep out in the field just shaking their heads, and they, they'll even bang their heads up against fence posts. And one of the reasons is because they're crazy. Now, one of the reasons is because they have this incredible infestation. They have parasites and, and mosquitoes and all sorts of pests, especially around their heads. And one of the most comforting things that a shepherd can do for 
for a sheep is to pour oil on its head. And as the shepherd pours oil on the head of the sheep, not only does it wash off the pests, it also soothes the wounds and the sores. He anoints my head with oil. Paul says in Romans 12 that we are not to conform to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. You know, for most of us, the most difficult pest that we will face in life is our mind. For most of us, the most difficult pest that we will face in our lives is is what we think, the thoughts that we entertain, the things that we believe. Picture God today just pouring oil, pouring his oil over your head and renewing your mind, eliminating the pests of fear and doubt and unbelief. The fifth thing he says is goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I had a a buddy one time who had two dogs, and he named them Goodness and Mercy because he wanted them to follow him. (laughs) This is the most important posture in the valley. The most important posture in the valley is this. God is good. He has always been good. He will always be good. He can be trusted. When you're walking through the valley, and many of you have, this has been this last year, maybe the, one, of the most, one of the craziest times that we have lived through, one of the most difficult. Some of you have seen loved ones pass away during COVID when you couldn't go and sit with them and hold their hand and, and be with them through that darkest hour transition from life here to life there. So that's a difficult thing to have to move through. But God is good. He has always been good. He will always be good, and he can be trusted. His goodness and his mercy will follow you all the days of your life, and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I long for that day. I do. I think we all do. We long for the day when we can spend eternity with him. But happiness doesn't start there. It just continues there. Being content doesn't start there. It just continues there. Experiencing the joy of the Lord's presence doesn't start there. It continues there. Because he says to us clearly, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in your house forever.
Now let's pray. Lord, I pray today that uh, that we would lean into you. That we would lean into you. And that your spirit would so fill us that our lives would track. That we would not be wanderers. We would be followers. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite our teams to come and uh, prepare to pray for people. Um, the teams will stay here and, and pray for, for folks for as long as there are people that want prayer. And uh, I just encourage you to take advantage of this. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's an incredible opportunity, incredible blessing uh, to have other believers who will comfort, uh, who will pray for you, who will invite the Lord to have his way in you. So I encourage you. Take advantage of that. Let's stand together. Uh, Austin's going to lead us in worship as we as we pray and minister to each other.